Coming up on today's episode, we are going to talk about NFL playoffs. I mean, how can we not? After that crazy, crazy NFL playoff weekend, probably the best playoffs that I've ever seen. I mean, you're talking about every single game going down to the wire. We got a lot to talk about. I'm going to share my recap and reactions to all the games, preview the conference championship, give you my Super Bowl contenders, who's going to get into the Super Bowl, who's going to play who. And then I'll give you guys a little update on the Dolphins head coaching search. And then after that, Miami Heat and NBA talk. Miami Heat, number one seed in the Eastern Conference. You think I'm not going to talk about that? We have that and a whole lot more coming up on the Miami Sports Vibes podcast. Welcome to the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast. We have a lot to talk about on today's pod. Obviously, usually come to you guys live on Tuesday mornings, but this time you get in it on Wednesday. Had a couple things going on, had to situate a couple things, but we have a lot, a lot to talk about. And mainly that has to do with the NFL playoffs. I mean, what a damn weekend was that? <laughs> Probably the best NFL playoff weekend that I've experienced, honestly. When you look at all the games in totality, every single game going down to the wire i mean you look at every game it was a one possession game from the Bengals to the 49ers game to the rams game to the chiefs game every single game with fantastic finishes i mean it was insane it was fun to watch and obviously that starts off with the cincinnati Bengals. but i do want to touch on a quick little update with the miami dolphins with our miami dolphins and the things remain the same, and they're pretty much going to remain the same for here quite some time. Obviously, we did interview all seven head coaches, from my understanding, but I think there's a top three list from what I was told. And the top three list goes with Brian Dale being number one. I heard he's the number one candidate. That's who we want. That's who the Dolphins want and favor. Number two on the list is Dan Quinn. Now, Dan Quinn obviously was a defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, and he was the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons when they blew that 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. So things like that I don't forget about. Things like that honestly pains me. I don't know if I want to. I feel like it's hard to just ignore the fact. Like You can't just hire that head coach and act like that's never happened. And obviously, he's still successful. He's a great defensive coordinator. Obviously, we saw what he did in Seattle as well with the Legion of Boom, might be a great coach, but to me, it's just not my cup of tea. Somebody who I wouldn't like. And then third on the list is Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph, obviously somebody we know within. He was a defensive coordinator when Adam Gase was, was the head coach and we made it to the playoffs last. And Vance Joseph was really good. As a defensive coordinator, he was awesome. I mean, he let people play, and people really elevated their games. He got the best out of his players, and that's one thing that I love about him. But when he got that head coaching gig in Denver, what did he do? He didn't do much. He didn't do nothing that impressed me, and they ended up getting fired ultimately. You look at that Denver Broncos roster. They got a damn good team. They got a damn good team. Not a great team, but a good team. And to me, honestly, when you look at our Miami Dolphins, it's kind of on that same level as the Denver Broncos. So if Vance Joseph wasn't able to do much with that roster, what is he going to do with our roster? You know, they have the same problems when it comes to lack of quarterback play. Tua, obviously, he's not elite. There's no elite quarterback there. So what is Vance Joseph going to be able to do here? 
Maybe he gets the job because he's Chris Greer's buddy, but to me, that's just red flag after red flag after red flag. Like, I'll pass. So if those are the top three candidates that the Dolphins are going to end up choosing, I just pray to God that it's Brian Dable, honestly. That's the guy who I think has the most upside, the most potential, and the most promise. And you could definitely sell myself and the rest of the fan base on him for sure. But that's the quick little Dolphins recap that I wanted to share with you guys. Not too much news, and that's pretty much going to be the case. Until we finalize who our head coach is, then who the staff will be, then we could get into like the mock draft, the free agency, and all that fun stuff. But just wanted to chime in and give my reactions to that, update you with that. But let's talk about some damn NFL playoffs. And it started off crazy. Right away, the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday taking on the Tennessee Titans, and the Cincinnati Bengals pull off the upset on the road against the Titans, winning that game 19-16, to and Joe Burrow played out of his freaking mind. Man, 348 yards passing, Jamar Chase with five receptions for 109 yards. It's honestly crazy. It's so crazy what the Cincinnati Bengals have done and what Joe Burrow in particular has done. I mean, this guy was drafted number one overall in the draft. And you look at this guy saying, okay, he's drafted number one, but the Bengals, they suck. And then they showed some life. They showed a little bit of life. They still struggled, obviously, because they were a bad team. But Joe Burrow was awesome. And then he went down with that ACL injury, tore his ACL out for the season. And you feel for that guy like, damn, man, Joe Burrow, like you hate to see it. This dude recovers, comes into year two. And leads the Bengals to a division championship and leads them to the playoffs. I mean, how about that? This young kid is out of his mind. And I love it, honestly. I I can look at this guy and I can't not be happy for Joe Burrow. It's amazing. And it's not just because he's a young quarterback. But it's simply because not only are you young and you're winning playoff games and getting to the playoffs. But you're coming off an ACL as well. You're coming off a torn ACL, bouncing back after that, getting your buddy Jamar Chase, and then getting this team to the playoffs, and then to win a round in the playoffs, and then win two and punch your ticket to an AFC championship game. That's unbelievable. I mean, the the Bengals tanked to get a quarterback, and they paid off. And I'm, I'm a little bit jealous, but man, Burrow's awesome. He definitely is that guy. Derrick Henry, on the other hand, had 20 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. You look at this game as a, from a Titans perspective. You got Derrick Henry coming back. You're at home. You're the number one seed. You worked hard all year for this. And you've been getting to this spot without Derrick Henry. You say Derrick Henry's coming back for this game? You got to feel great, right? And it, it didn't make a difference. It didn't make a difference. And it's crazy because Mike Vrabel pretty much said, hey, Derrick Henry, if you're going to tell me that you're willing to play in this game— I'm going to treat you like you're healthy, and you're getting 20 damn carries. And they gave him 20 20 damn carries, but it was not enough. Ryan Tannehill did have a chance to put the game away in a tie game. It was his moment. The ball was pretty much around the 40-yard line. He needed about 20 yards to get into field goal range, and he turned the ball over with a costly interception. After that, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase for a first down and the Cincinnati Bengals with the field goal to win the game and advance to the AFC Championship. That is exactly how we started this divisional round weekend. And then, hey, why not have another crazy game? <laughs> and that brought us to that night game with the 49ers taking on the Green Bay Packers 
in Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, again. You know, these two teams always seem to have it out for each other. And it was a sloppy game, honestly. The game was ugly. The weather was bad. It wasn't really that game where you're like, wow, this game is awesome. But the ending was freaking crazy. The ending was awesome. 49ers ended up picking up a win right there, 13-10, and it was unbelievable to me. Well, kind of believable. I always said that the 49ers have a chance to win this game, and I think they will. I said it on my last podcast. But the fact that they were just able to do it, I didn't see that it was going to happen like this, such a low-scoring game. I expected more scoring, especially from a running perspective from the 49ers. But nonetheless, they got the job done, and it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy. Aaron Rodgers, to me, didn't play a good game. I mean, the dude scored on his opening drive seven points, and then since then only put up three. Obviously, there was a block field goal in there. There was a block punt in there for the 49ers. They recovered for a touchdown, and ultimately that set them up to win this game. A lot of people on social media, I want to talk about this for a second. A lot of people on social media, okay? I know a couple Packers fans. Everybody. When I say everybody, I mean everybody. They're just blaming the special team, saying, hey, special team sucks. I can't believe it. They've been ass all year. They cost us the damn game. And I say, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Well, why are these guys doing that? I mean, you got supposedly back-to-back MVP, supposedly one of the GOATs, right? First of all, he has one championship ring. Okay, I'm a Rodgers guy, but that's just a fact. Slow down on the GOAT stuff when he only has one ring. He's a hell of a player, Hall of Fame talent, no doubt. But that's neither here nor there. You got this player, right? And he only puts up seven points in the first drive of the game and three points at home in a playoff game with a chance to get to the NFC Championship. I think a lot falls on that man, okay? And he's got a ton of help. When you look at the stats, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Aaron Rodgers, uh, sorry, Aaron Jones, nine receptions for 129 yards. Devontae Adams, nine receptions and 90 yards. You got the damn help, man. I look right there and I say, you got more than enough from these guys. Aaron Jones, your running back, got you 129 yards receiving. I think a lot of this falls on Rodgers. To me, I think he played a shit game. I think he really played a shit game. And I don't think that it's necessarily just Rodgers' fault. I don't think that it's not the special team's fault. But you're just looking at this. I'm looking at it on Twitter and everywhere. And everybody's just blaming special teams. And I'm like, this is crazy to me. I mean, there's no blame for Aaron Rodgers at all. To me, I I blame everybody, and I think everybody's to get the blame. You're at home, everything I said, all the help you got, you got to make sure you win that game. And it's disgusting that you didn't, especially when you look at the way Jimmy Garoppolo performed. He didn't play good at all. Defense balled out, too, for Green Bay. But, hey, I think it falls on everybody not the special teams. And you know what's crazy? There's a lot of times where you watch a game and you have a great quarterback on one end and he plays his ass off, especially a playoff game, and you're like, they end up losing. You're like, damn, I feel bad, man. I feel like so-and-so deserved that. I feel like he played his ass off. I feel bad for him. I didn't get that. Did you guys? I'm sure you didn't as well. I mean, I didn't get that feeling where I'm like, damn, I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. No, because he didn't even play well at all. He didn't deserve that win. He didn't prove that he deserved that win. And, of course, you know, the drama queen that he is, he's probably going to point the finger at the special teams and blame the whole Packers organization. But, listen, 
that diva Aaron Rodgers did not show up. <laughs> okay, and I'm I, I like Aaron Rodgers, but I think a lot of blame should go to him. I think the blame is to blame the entire team, not just one side of the ball in special teams. I think that's unfair. But the 49ers, credit to them. They took care of business. They got the job done. They capitalized on opportunities and punched their ticket to the NFC Championship game. And that led us to Sunday. Now, Sunday was a freaking treat for everybody. I mean, starting off with the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Tampa Bay Bucks in Tampa Bay. What a damn start. I mean, the Rams were just had everything going to start the game. Stafford was lights out. OBJ was lights out. He really set the tone. Cooper Cup with just that consistent level of play from beginning to end, just like he has all year. That was there. And the Rams took a convincing 27-3 lead and pretty much maintained that for most of the first half until the second half. All right, 27-3. You got Brady on the other side. Where does this go? Is the game over? Nah, you know it's never over when you're going against Tom Brady. And the Bucks came storming back little by little, putting together points with field goals and touchdowns and touchdowns. And before you know it, it's 27 to 27. And I'm looking at this like, first of all, when it was 27 to 3, you start to look at it. You start to think about it. As an NFL fan, you remember. You all remember that point where Tom Brady came back in that Super Bowl. But then you start putting in, okay, they're playing the Rams. Rams are a better team than the Falcons were. No way the Rams blow this, right? But you know there is a little bit of a chance. And that's just crazy. Like the fact that you know that there's a little bit of a chance. And then I'm still telling myself, no way. Then they put together these points. I'm like, ah, it's only a field goal. They put together a touchdown. Then I'm like, oh, shit. Then another touchdown. And I'm like, get the hell out of here. Is this really happening? And then they tied the game. And I'm like, wow, Tom Brady has really done it again. There's no freaking way. He's going to win this damn game. And it was just like unbelievable. It's just the way things happen at the timing it happens. All set up for Brady to tie this game and potentially go to overtime and then win this game in a crazy fashion. And to me, it would have been the most impressive win. When you look at what he's dealt with, you look at the offensive line banged up. You look at Gronk losing a step. Antonio Brown, you know, doing what he did. And then Chris Godwin obviously tearing his ACL being out for the year. He pretty much only had Leonard Fournette and Mike Evans out there. And Fournette wasn't even 100% healthy. But it's just like the fact that he's able to just constantly push. If he was able to pull this one off, wow, I don't even know what to say. But they left 30 seconds about for Matthew Stafford to take advantage. And I thought this game was going to overtime. And Stafford dropped back and threw a beautiful dime, a beautiful throw and catch to Cooper Cup, set him up for the spike to potentially win the game and go to the NFC Championship. They nail the field goal and get it done. And the Rams take down the Tampa Bay Bucks, And that set us up for the Sunday night game. This game, Bills and Chiefs. To me, this was the best freaking game I've seen. I think, honestly, this was the best game I've seen. When you think about everything going into it, okay? You think about playoffs. You think about potential AFC championship here. You think about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, two great dynamic quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that have gone toe-to-toe for so many years. You think about Josh Allen always falling short to Mahomes. They look great. This is the year they finally want to win. But then the Chiefs are like, no, we still want to get back to the championship. Again, we need to get back to the Super Bowl because we lost. 
all of that tying into just one game. And then the way it ended, I think there was like 25 points scored back and forth in the final like two minutes. It was like they were playing tug of war out there. You look at Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, it was saying like, nah, I got this win. And then Josh Allen say, I got it. Mahomes say, I got it. It was just back and forth, back and forth. And it was it was kind of like an NBA game when you got two dynamic superstars just going blow for blow, bucket after bucket. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, it was unbelievable. It was like nothing I've ever seen in such little time. The amount of clutch moments between both teams, unbelievable. Josh Allen had 329 yards, four touchdowns, and then 68 yards rushing as well. Unbelievable performance. I mean, you're talking about almost 400 yards in total from him. And then Patrick Mahomes on the other side, 378 yards, three touchdowns, all passing, but then he also had 69 yards rushing and a touchdown. So he had four touchdowns as well, over 400 yards total. Final score, 42-36. to 36. The Chiefs advance in overtime and beat them in a nail-biter and... My God, like I'm telling you guys when me talking about this game won't do it justice. Like you had to have watched this game live to really, really experience what went down. It was like nothing I've ever seen before. Definitely the best game I've ever seen. And that's crazy. So the Chiefs do punch their ticket and advance to the AFC championship game yet again with a chance to make it to the Super Bowl yet again. So can the Chiefs do it? We'll see, but yes, those were the four games, all dramatic finishes, all one possession finishes, definitely the best NFL playoff round that I have ever seen that I could think of. When you talk about every single game going down to the wire, man, that was fun, but that sets us up for the conference championship game. Two games, the AFC championship, the NFC championship. Who will get to the Super Bowl? Well, tune in for my NFL predictions. All right, so last week, heading into the week, I was 89 and 51 with the straight picks and 72 and 70 against the spread. And let's just say, when it comes to the straight picks, I went 2 and 2, not too good. But how about against the spread? 4 and 0, clean sweep for me. I got Cincinnati plus 3 and a half correct. I got San Francisco plus 5 and a half correct. I got the Rams plus 3 correct and I got KC laying 2 points. I got that correct. 4 and 0, improving my against the spread record to 76 and 70 and my straight picks to 91 and 53. And that pretty much clinches my own little personal goal right there which was I hope this against the spread record goes above 500 before the end of the season. And this pretty much secured it. So kudos to myself. I'm proud of myself. That was a little personal thing that I was doing. And I had a couple rough times. I told you guys I was going to get back up. I mean, there was a point where I was, I think, minus eight under 500. But then, hey, I got to give myself credit, man. The, The thing is not easy to do, picking against the spread, especially how wacky the NFL season was. But I'm definitely going to do this, continue this, obviously for the rest of this season. And then next season, start that off from week one because that was a lot of fun. So that leads us to the conference championship. Which two teams will I pick? All right, so we're going to start things off Sunday, 3 o'clock game, Eastern time. The Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. The line is crazy to me. It's shocking. 
So the Kansas City Chiefs are favored by seven points here. They're at home. And I look at that line and I'm like, damn. Like, we're talking about an AFC championship game. We're talking about the Bengals. The Bengals beat the Chiefs not too long ago, a couple weeks back. They can play. They got a high-powered offense. Chiefs' defense obviously is not so good. But I guess they just like the Chiefs here. I mean, seven points to me is a lot, okay? And for that reason, I have a lot of respect for Joe Burrow and the way he's been performing and for the Cincinnati Bengals. If you get to this game, I have respect for you. And I think that seven is way too much. So for that reason itself, give me the Bengals plus seven. But I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs straight up, and I think they punch their ticket to go into the Super Bowl and take on, drum roll, <laughs> let's see here, 49ers taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, that's the night game, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Rams are favored by three and a half points, and that right there is interesting to me. Okay, and the reason it's interesting to me is because there's a lot of respect here. And I'm just surprised. I didn't think they would pick up on this. Obviously, if you guys don't know, the San Francisco 49ers and Mike Shanahan have had Sean McVay's number. I mean, they've been beating his ass for years and years, multiple games, no matter if it's home, away. The 49ers know how to beat the Los Angeles Rams. They have their number. They know what to do. This coach has outcoached McVay time and time again. And those of you guys who don't know, look it up. I mean, do me a favor and look it up right now. How many times the 49ers have beat the Rams over the last couple of years? It will shock you. So give yourselves a minute to do that. You'll be surprised. But right here, for the purpose of this pick, I mean, you think about what's at stake here. You think about the team that the Los Angeles Rams are. Adding a Von Miller, adding an Odell Beckham, having Cooper Cup play at an MVP level. To me, he's the MVP. Obviously, it's probably not going to get it. I mean, rarely do you see a receiver get that award. But... That whole Rams team is so damn stacked and so damn good. And the fact that the 49ers have beat this guy's ass so many times, I feel like something's got to give. And in the NFL playoffs with a chance to get to the Super Bowl, that's when it's got to give. I mean, I'm sure that Sean McVay is probably having sleepless nights, figuring out a game plan, scouting against the 49ers, trying to find any little advantage. But I best believe that I'm sure Shanahan is doing the same thing. But I think the time is now. I think Sean McVay has the opportunity and will succeed here. If the 49ers pull this off, which I think they're definitely capable of doing it, I would be stunned. But I think the whole run stops here. I think the Rams take care of business. I think the Rams win this game. Give me the Rams straight up. But I'm going to take the 49ers getting three and a half points. I think this game is going to be a three-point finish. I think it's going to be a close game. Three points will decide this game, but you're giving me three and a half for the 49ers. I'm going to take that all day. So give me the 49ers plus three and a half, but the Rams straight up and the Rams advance to the Super Bowl. And that is my Super Bowl prediction. Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Rams at SoFi Stadium. That is my prediction for the Super Bowl. Let me know who you think is going to win this game and let me know the matchup you want to see the most. Is it the same matchup as me? I would assume so. I mean, who doesn't want to see Chiefs versus Rams? Let me know what you think. I definitely want to hear your thoughts. But yeah, that's my Super Bowl prediction. So hopefully this weekend is another treat like last weekend was. That would be amazing. Hopefully some close games. I think it will be though. Honestly, I don't think people are sleeping on the Cincinnati Bengals anymore. I mean, they're fun to watch. Jamar Chase is fun. Joe Burrow's fun. And then obviously, 
Rams and Rams and 49ers with their history. That's going to be entertaining as well. So enjoy the games and let, let's see if my Super Bowl prediction is right. All right, so let's get into a little Miami Heat and NBA talk. And good damn morning, Heat fans. Your Miami Heat are first freaking place in the Eastern Conference. That's unbelievable. 30 and 17 at the top of the Eastern Conference with a 16 and 5 home record, 14 and 12 on the road, 8 and 2 in the division, a point differential plus four and a half. Last 10 games were seven and three. And we're first fucking place in the Eastern Conference. That's unbelievable. And that is a great, great job to most importantly, Eric Spolstra. I mean, when you talk about what has happened throughout this entire season, when you talk about Bam Adebayo going down with the injury, we talk about Jimmy Butler missing games. And now this past week, Kyle Lowry missed the entire week. Tyler Hero missed the entire week due to COVID. What does this Heat team continue to do? Fight, fight, and fight. Make no excuses. Next man up mentality every single night. They continue to do so. And it's been a constant theme throughout this entire season. And that's why it's unbelievable that we're in first place. Because this team has is already faced so much damn adversity and continue to just push through. Next man up mentality. And these young guys are continuing to just amaze us. The Caleb Martins, the Max Struces, all these guys. Gabe Vincent stepping in and just filling a, a role every single freaking time. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. This past week, we got wins against the Trailblazers at home. We did pick up a loss to the Atlanta Hawks, but then winning the big one on Sunday against the Los Angeles Lakers, and I enjoyed every single bit of that ass whooping. Beating the Lakers is always fun. I told you guys I was looking forward to that matchup. Told you we were going to win. Obviously, I thought Hero or Larry were going to play in those games. They both missed it, and we still won the freaking game, and that's what feels freaking great. I mean, the fact that you're able to do what we've done all year when we're losing these big-time guys, this time having no Hero or Lowry, but then still winning and then beating the Lakers with LeBron and Westbrook, like beating them, not having our, our, our whole team, like that just feels even better. Caleb Martin was big-time, 15 points off the bench. Max Strus, 8 points. He was 3 of 8. Not a high, high, crazy shooting game, but he was freaking awesome. Duncan Robinson, 6 three-pointers, 6 for 11, 25 points. You know when Duncan gets going like that, we're a freaking hard-ass team to beat. Bam out of bio, 14 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. And how about Jimmy freaking Buckets? Okay, Jimmy Buckets, 20 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds, triple-double against the Lakers and LeBron James. And the Miami Heat win the game and then lock down that first seed right after that win. It was so freaking amazing just to watch them and continuing to watch these guys now. Now that the Dolphins season has ended, I'm watching these Heat games at even closer. I mean, I'm watching them multiple times, <laughs> multiple times. So I would watch it live and then watch the repeat. And I'm just constantly impressed, man. I'm constantly impressed the way this Heat team hasn't been perfect. Like, they haven't had that perfect lineup. They haven't had everybody clicking on all cylinders. And with that being said, still first place in the Eastern Conference. Like, that's just crazy to me. I mean, this team's potential is sky high and when you think about what Oladipo could bring to this team if something what buyout guy will come to this team I'm sure somebody wants to come here and just the sky's the limit man this heat team continues to roll along 
And we're definitely going to be talking more Heat stuff once the NFL season gets uh, over with. But, man, it is so hard to just ignore the fact of how well they've been playing and who's been playing well and the level of that. And I can't wait to talk about more Miami Heat topics on this podcast, obviously, once the NFL season is over with. But this week, another important game. We got a game tonight. Taking on the New York Knicks. This is primetime television on ESPN. This game is at home. Taking on a New York Knicks team who's 23-25 and 25 at the moment. This is an inconsistent Knicks team. I mean, from the entire season. I mean, they have never really found the groove. Obviously, they're battling injuries. Julius Randle also has not played well at all, which is surprising to me. Not surprising to a lot of people. A lot of people expected, like, last year to be kind of like a, a one-hit wonder type season. And it's looking like they're right. And I hate to say that because he's a Kentucky guy and I love Julius Randle. But he is struggling and the Knicks are struggling. So he got an opportunity to take care of business against an easy team. But it's never easy. I mean, you're going against a Knicks team and you're going against a Tom Thibodeau team. Normally we win those games, but it's never easy. So we will certainly have our work cut out for us. I think Kyle Lowry is probably going to miss the game, but I'm pretty sure that Tyler Hero is back. So at least we got him coming back. Always fun watching Tyler Hero. Then we take on the Los Angeles Clippers on Friday. Friday night at the Heat's house. Another one at the Heat's house. The Clippers obviously know Kawhi Leonard. He's going to be out for pretty much the entire season. Paul George remains out. And that Clippers team, I mean, without those two guys, you know, you, you got a good chance. You like your chances. And I know last year, we lost when those two guys weren't playing, but this is a different Heat team. Now with Kyle Lowry and now with these emerging people as like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, all these young guys continuing to take another step. Way different team than last year. So I expect the Heat to take care of business there. Saturday night, another fun one. This game's also at the Heat's house. So nice little homestand here. We're taking on the Toronto Raptors. Raptors at 22 and 22 inconsistent as well but that's a team that's another well-coached team that plays hard offensively and defensively has great chemistry Fred Van Vliet play, playing like a freaking all-star at this point which is awesome for him and I think he truly does the service so I don't know if he'll get in um, but we'll see but Fred Van Vliet and the Raptors and Nick Nurse definitely a team that always seems to fight and give us trouble so we're gonna have our work cut out I think we have some hard games here even though all these teams are pretty much like sub 500 teams these are teams that compete and they're well coached so three entertaining games for the heat this week let's see if they keep things going forward obviously maintain that first seed in the eastern conference would be great but most importantly just like i say every week just hopefully getting the whole team back getting the whole team healthy that's what i'm rooting for like i can't freaking wait for that that's what i honestly want to see we're seeing how great this team is but just imagine the potential when you put Oladipo, when you bring Morris back in and add somebody, whether it's a trade deadline or a buyout. That's what I can't freaking wait for, man. I'm, I'm so freaking excited. Um, other news around the NBA. Memphis Grizzlies continue to do their thing. Golden State kind of struggling a little bit. Obviously, Steph Curry with a big game winner over this past week. But they're struggling a little bit. I think there's definitely potential to be better. And I think they will be. And I think they just really miss Draymond Green. Draymond Green is obviously the heart and soul. I think that's what they need to get back on top. Phoenix Suns, they're sitting at 37-9, and nine and they're freaking balling. I mean, sheesh. That Suns team is continuing to impress. A lot of people, including myself, thought, hey, the Suns are fun, but last year was their chance to win. 
Like, they're not going to get an opportunity like that yet again. Like, everything was set up. They had an amazing season. Everybody overperformed. But they're proving me and a lot of people wrong. I mean, they are playing lights out. 37-9, and 19-5 and at home, 18-4 and on the road. Their point differential is plus 7.5. And, and they're 9-1 and in their last 10 with a 7-game winning streak currently. They are no freaking joke. The Suns are no joke, and they are serious. So my three games of the week, like I've been doing, I'm going to continue doing that. Three games to watch for this week, not counting any Heat and Knicks game. The first one is tonight. It's on ESPN. It's after our Heat game. It's the Suns taking on the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz, I believe, doesn't have Donovan Mitchell, but still, they're a well-coached team. Quinn Snyder's unbelievable. And this matchup right here is obviously two of the top guns in the Western Conference, and I'm always interested to see that matchup. Regardless if Mitchell's out, obviously you would want to see him healthy, but just the fact that it's these two teams, the top of the top, going against each other, that's going to be entertaining. And then my next one, Lakers taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. Primetime, Thursday night, on TNT tomorrow. Lakers, 76ers. To me, that's going to be fun because simply... I just like watching the Lakers play in big games because I root for them to lose, and it's just fun to me. And Joel Embiid is having an unbelievable season. He's playing out of his mind. Obviously, I hate both of these teams, but it's always just so fun to watch these teams go at it every time it's a game in Philadelphia. Remember, last year came down to the wire. They just always seem to have these crazy games. So I'm interested to see this game. I think it's going to be a fun and entertaining game for sure. Obviously, the main reason is just Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid is killing him, killing him. And I know for sure he's going to take that matchup personally against the Lakers. Everybody gets up for that matchup. Like, no matter what, you get up for that matchup. And then my third and final game to watch this week that I think you should definitely watch is for sure this one. Saturday night, Brooklyn Nets taking on the Golden State Warriors. This is primetime on ABC Saturday night. This game is in Golden State, so Kyrie Irving will be playing. They will have James Harden. They will have Kyrie Irving, obviously, without Kevin Durant due to his injury. I don't know if Draymond Green's going to play. I'm assuming he won't. So you'll have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson taking on James Harden and Kyrie Irving, two of the best backcourts in the NBA. That's going to be a freaking treat. It's going to be fun to watch. That is a game you definitely have to watch for. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, we got a good NBA week. And the NBA right now, this is when it really gets fun. Like right before the trade deadline, heading into the All-Star break, and then right towards the end, that final stretch. Like these are points right here in the NBA season where you're just getting constant, constant, just good game and good performances. I'm excited, man. NBA season now, NFL season winding down, NBA season turning up. This is going to be freaking awesome. All right, so that's a wrap. Episode 54 in the books. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for taking the time out of your day, joining me here on this podcast, and bearing with me. As I, I know I'm a day late than when I normally post, but hey, we had a lot to talk about. Best believe you're going to have me here weekly regardless. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for tuning in and make it a great week. Enjoy the NFL playoffs. Enjoy those NBA games I talked about, and I will see you back here next week. So once again, thanks for listening to the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast with Nando Diaz.